1: Are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper.
2: Hi, this is Chris Cooper, and I'm delighted to be back with yet another show this week. And I'm going to be talking today about Permission Granted with uh, Patty Aubrey of the Canfield Training Group. And before I do that, um, I'd just like to say a thank you to the president of Born Free, Will Travers OBE, um, for our repeat show last week while I took uh, a short holiday and visited the Lake District in the Northern, Northern England. Um, a, a really tremendous show, that one, with lots and lots of feedback. I'd also like to say thank you to John Box, who's uh, the former, a former U.S. Marine Corps colonel-turned-leadership expert. It was absolutely fascinating talking to me the week before about strategic leadership. I really wish I'd had that information at my fingertips 20 years ago when I was moving up into senior corporate leadership roles. And if you've not listened to those shows, they are in the archive. So how do you transform your dreams into reality? irrespective of where you come from. My guest, Patty Aubrey, will tell you that the permission to do so is granted. And during today's show, we're going to discuss some of the key principles of building a very successful life and career from someone who's just done that. Um, So done just that. Patty went from um, being PA to president of the Canfield Training Group. She's overseen day-to-day operations alongside Jack Canfield for over 24 years. Patty was named president of Chicken Soup for the Soul Enterprise Inc. in 1997 until 2008, when they sold the company. And during that time, she published over 200 titles and became a New York Times best selling author. A few Patty personally authored include Chicken Soup for the Surviving Soul, Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul, Chicken Soup for the Working Women's Soul, Chicken Soup for the Sister's Soul, and Chicken Soup for the Beach Lover's Soul. She and her colleagues built a multi million dollar enterprise that exceeded books and licensing. Patty's is a published author. She's a media professional, executive mom, a world traveler, an avid meditator, and lifestyle connoisseur. And she's now dedicated to facilitating women's summits, speaking to women entrepreneurs, sales professionals, and corporate employees on success and strategic planning. So, a big, big welcome to Patty Aubrey.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
2: Nice. A wonderful pleasure to to talk with you, Patty. Uh, and uh, as you know, I'm really fascinated by you know the work that you do at the. Um, at, at Canfield Training Group, and uh, and uh, you know, and your great success to date. And I'd love for you if you could maybe start by telling us a little bit about your background and your influences when growing up.
0: Sure. Um, well, I started out as what most people might not know over in the UK, unless you saw the movie as a Valley Girl. You ever saw that movie with Nicolas Cage? I've seen that. Um, I I started out really in, in growing up in Los Angeles, born and raised. And um, got into the pharmaceutical business at a very young age. Um, My father happened to start a company that was called Nature Made Vitamins. And so I sort of grew up in that environment, which was really corporate, and kind of watched the clock every summer and every holiday from probably 14 on, working in the factory and helping out in human resources and operations and doing all the things kids do to figure out what they don't want to do when they grow up. (laughs) And so that's kind of how I started and then ended up going to San Diego State and majoring in business and then got out of school, moved to Santa Barbara, got married, figured out that that wasn't really the right thing for me as well. Um, Went back to L.A. and I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know what my purpose was. And I was 24 and I was really lost. And so what I, I just decided that I would start to look for a job and I opened up the LA times and I started answering ads and it was everything from secretary wanted to, you name it, I applied for it. And, um, there was one ad in the paper that said secretary wanted 25,000 a year. And that was in 1989. And I thought, well, you know, I just got out of school and call me whatever you want. If you want to pay me 25,000 a year. So I, I decided to go to this interview and I went and I, I, interviewed with this couple who were kind of interesting. I I think we had talked about it before, Chris, where I went into this three story little condo off in the Palisades in California, right by the ocean and Malibu area. And they had red shag carpet and incense burning. And I thought, this is kind of a strange environment coming from a home that was very sort of corporate. My parents were from the Midwest and very, uh, typically white bread type uh, parents and I interviewed and I, I didn't get the job and I was really kind of sad and um, I went to dinner that night with some friends and my friends were saying you know what are you doing you're back from Santa Barbara you're living in Los Angeles again and I said I, I interviewed with this guy and he I don't know he's kind of a new age guy and kind of looked like a howdy doody type with brown hair and freckles and I'm not really sure what they do but it's something about self-esteem in the classroom and they said, "Well, who is it?" And I said, "Jack Hanfield." And they said, "Oh my gosh, he's amazing!" And I, of course, then I really wanted the job when I heard that other people knew who he was, and um, and then I waited and waited for that phone call. And I didn't. I, I got the phone call, and he didn't hire me. So that was kind of a blow. Um, but about three months after that, he called back and said, "You know, I think we should probably get together and um, meet again." And I said, well, I'm not so sure. And um, I have this new job. It's going really well. And he said, well, just come and talk to me anyway. I just have this intuitive hit that we could really make something happen. And so I went down to see him and I said, I, I will come and see you, but it's going to cost you. you know, I, I, you're going to have to up your Annie. I'm not going to do it for 25000 And he said, all right, just come and talk to me. And so I did. And that was in 1989. And I got the job. And I started out as Jack Hanfield's secretary. So that's sort of um, how I how I sort of grew up. I mean, I was 24 years old, and I'm I'm 50 now. So half my life has been has been working with Jack.
2: Wonderful. I bet you you're glad that you did go back because it's uh, been an amazing journey, hasn't it? Um, all those uh, those years. And I I you know I kind of wonder you know, what does today, you know, what does being the president of the Jack Canfield organization really entail? Well,
0: you know, it's, it's really kind of morphed over time. So in the beginning, um, it was just, I wasn't the president. And so I started off and I I literally went to work and, and Jack was traveling a ton back in those days, working mostly with teachers. And so he, he walked in and plopped a bunch of stuff on my desk and said, I'll see you in two weeks. And it was really the first time that I was able to sort of take things on myself, and I'd always been sort of micromanaged, and I'm I'm kind of a wild spirit. I'm, I'm not someone that can really live in a very structured environment. And um, so I was able to look at the organization the way it was. It was very small. There was only three of us at the time. And I realized that his computer systems were outdated, and his slides looked awful, and so I just basically started to export things and create a, a nice environment in the office. And, and and so that's kind of how that started. Um, and it wasn't far after that that he came back to the office one day and said, you know, I people have been telling me over and over again that we should put these stories I tell from the platform in a book. And I'm really glad I was 24 because I didn't have an opinion. And so I said, okay, I'll do it with you. And so we started to compile stories, and that was the beginning of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And so we worked on that book for about four years. And over that time frame, um, my, my job title got to VP of Operations, and I was managing the office and his speaking um, business as well as getting this book together. And if you can imagine... Have you? Did you ever have a Mac 20, those old little Macintosh that had the little tiny screen? They look like a big box.
2: Uh, no, no, but I can uh, I, I can remember them. I can remember them.
0: I think the screen was about four inches or five inches wide by two and a half I to know. three inches high. <laughs> and I, I literally typed Chicken Soup, the original book, on that screen. And I, oh, I huh. think I probably typed it three times. Um, today that would not happen because I wouldn't be able to see the screen. But I did. And then from there, about a year and a half later, the book finally started to take off after a lot of due diligence and hard work on all of our parts. And at that point, I became the president of Chicken Soup for the Soul and started to manage um, authors and the publisher and all of our internal communication as well. So I went from secretary to president of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And then, like you said in my introduction, in 2008, we sold the company, and so that was sort of an interesting. Um, it was a very interesting time for us because we had been doing something for for 18 years, and when you have that kind of success, you sort of start to identify with the success. Not it wasn't necessarily in a bad way. I, I don't think we ever really were full of ourselves, but you become the chicken soup lady and the chicken soup guy, and so. We spent about a year of really sort of transitioning into who are we? And we we start, we sort have this workshop that we do and we say, you know, we have a body, we're not our body. And it was sort of like we have a book series, we're not our book series. Mm. And so it was really rediscovering who we were and, and where we wanted to go for the rest of our lives. And so it's it's been, I call it Mr. Toad's Wild Ride from Disneyland. <laughs> it's, been, it's been quite a journey. I, I had no idea what I was signing up for in the very beginning.
2: Is that one of the reasons why you, why you sold that so you could, you you could sort of disassociate yourself a little bit from it and give yourself that space to create something new?
0: Well, you know, it's my life has always been about giving myself permission to a way where I'm I'm very comfortable living and living in the unknown. And in about 2005. I really started to see a trend where our our book sales had been insane. We had sold probably 200 million books at that point. And we had, we had about, I would say, we, we, when we sold the company, we had about 250 titles that we had published. And by 2006, 2007, it just started to feel a little stale. And we really wanted to have the brand live far beyond us. And we felt that it was time to really look at an organization that could take it to a higher level. And as you know, as an author, you're working on a dollar a unit when it comes to royalties. Mm-hmm. And when the company gets that big, it's, it's not necessarily that easy to work on that type of a margin. And, um, and it, working with Jack and Mark was interesting. And at the same time, Jack is an aggregator and he's always finding new information and figuring out a way to deliver it seamlessly and effortlessly to anyone. And he really takes complex stuff and makes it simple. And so for me, it was he had done that, and that job was over for him. We had a very seamless organization running, and it was time for him to do what's next. So we started to talk about how do we take what we've learned over these last 18 years, which was a lot, and how do we teach other people how to do what we did to be a success in any part of their life? And that's really how the Success Principles was born, which is an interview I think you did a few months ago. Yeah. And um, in fact, we just celebrated our tenth anniversary of that book.
2: It's also become so, a, become one of my favorite books. Actually, I think I've bought about a dozen copies for people. And I don't know how many people have bought it on my recommendation. It's sitting next to me right now, just by coincidence. Oh,
0: that's great! I love it. Well, and, and as you know, it's it's sixty four principles, and I think in the UK it's twenty five, but. It really gives you a, in a simple step-by-step process on how to facilitate success in your life in a lot of different areas. And so we, we sort of said, okay, it's time for you to go off to New York. And then the chief operating officer and I sat down and said, what do we want to do with this brand? At that point, we were selling dog food, greeting cards. Um, we had licensed out a radio show. We had done a vitamin deal. We were doing syndication columns and newspapers as well as books. And so we really had quite a bit of intellectual property and trademarks. And so we sort of sat down and made a three-year plan, and we sold the company in April of 2008, which was not an easy feat because, as you know, the economy had just really gone south. Um, But we did it, and it was was time. And at the same time, it was weird because, like I said, when you're sort of reinventing yourself, it's a little bit scary. Mm. And I think sometimes people... Think that oh it was an overnight success or life is so easy for those that are successful but we all have fears considerations and concerns we all have our own negative self talk but we all also are able to have a choice about which version of ourselves do we want to show up as and so that's sort of been my path how do I how do I show up as the best version of myself and give myself permission to really become who I was put on this planet to become. And I think, especially as women, it's not always that simple. Um, I think, I think all people have it, but I think for women, it's harder. I I hear all the time. It's my turn now. I, I need to show up and it's kind of in a man's world. But at the same time, you know, I think Gloria Steinem stood up 40, 50 years ago and said, it's time. So now it's really about what do we want next and how do we take action to get there and what would it look like if we could, if we could really have the life that we want and, and plan it intentionally. And so that's sort of what we've been working on since we, um, since we sold chicken soup and, and initially before chicken soup, we were in the world of education and we were teaching self esteem in the classroom to teachers and we're teaching them how to facilitate that within kids because with kids, if they don't believe that they're good enough to learn or they're smart enough to do it, the the educational system really breaks down. And at the time it was in the early eighties when that was going on. And I think we were kind of before our time. So after chicken soup, we we sat down and said, what do we want to do? And, and part of it was really coming full circle and taking the work of, of the success principles and getting it out there. And the last few years has been a conversation about how do we get, one million people to be able to embody the success principles to make a larger impact on the world in a way that's transformational and educational where, where they can then go out and teach other people because we know what it's like to develop the human side of ourselves and the results that it gets. So that's sort of in a nutshell coming full circle back to education, but on a different level. And so I'm really
2: ex- excited about it Wonderful. and you're just telling me before the break and we're, we're going to go to commercial break in just a couple of minutes and we'll we'll move into the principles after the break and some of the, your thoughts around permission granted but actually the the scale of what you're doing you said a million people there and uh, uh, you've been creating products I know which are being you know being accessed in I think you mentioned sixty five countries
0: yes and- yes i got a, I got an email last night from my my logistics site who said, he started naming off all these countries. I was shocked at how many, Uganda, Nigeria, I'm just, you name it. And that was our dream to really get it out to people that couldn't come and see Jack live or me live and most likely couldn't afford it. So we're, we're working on that now.
2: Wonderful. It's a, it's great that, you know, these, that all that lessons and that the experience that you've had, you know, you're, you're utilizing that to really help people, you replicate some of that for themselves. and that feels like very noble work as well, which must leave you feeling good.
0: It does. When you can transform yourself and transform others and not be alone doing it and actually make money and make a living doing it and travel the world, it's, it's a pretty amazing life.
2: Wonderful. Well, we're going to find out more about it and more about the sort of key principles of, uh, of permission granted after the break. So do join us again in just a couple of minutes.
0: Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
1: Tuned in to Be More Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi,
2: this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Patty Aubrey, and we're talking about permission granted. And uh, before the break, uh, Patty was talking about uh, you know her background and uh, her relationship and with uh, the, the Jack Canfield organization being the president of it and I know um Patty thats uh you know a you know a focus uh, for you um one of the focuses for you going forward and, and a project that you're already taking on we really sort of personally is this this idea of permission granted and you know maybe we could start about you know what is it and and who grants that permission
0: sure sure you know for from- for me, it's, it's really been a journey, like I said earlier. And um, it wasn't until I really gave myself permission to be my true self, to ask for what I wanted, to talk about my dreams, um, to put myself first, that I started to really sort of step into who, who I am now. And I, I'm so passionate about it because I watch so many people go out and you probably have seen this too with authors and different people, but they get their 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 four year degree, then they go back and they get their masters, then they get their PhD or whatever it is. And people are constantly with my experience, is they're constantly thinking that they need more things to go do something. And 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 that's where I'm kind of standing up saying, that's not true. You can you most of us are qualified now to do what we were put on this planet to do but we have to accept that in a way that we don't let other things get in the way. And the reason why I started mostly speaking with women was because there was a lot of excuses about, oh, well, I've got my kids, or my husband works, or if I do that, people will think I'm not a good mother. And, and, for, and, and I struggled with those things desperately um, as I was going through my career. When I can, when I first became an author, and I did quite well in the very beginning, I think my first print one was a, a Million Units with a chicken soup book, and I had to go on a book tour. And there was a lot of people that were really sort of judging me. You know, oh, she's never home. She's not a good mother. She has a nanny. And, and I really had to sit with that, Chris. It was hard because mm. everything shows up for you. You know, how did you grow up? How did your spouse grow up? You know, when you have kids, I say... It's a whole new can of worms because now you've got the definition of bedtime. Well, let's have make sure our kids go to bed early. Well, my definite early might be 7:30, his might be 10:30. And so I struggled with guilt and overwhelm and um always trying to go that extra mile to prove to myself that I was worthy of it, to prove to my business associates that I was getting my job done to prove to my husband that I was a good mom and a good entrepreneur. And finally, at one point, I just said, you know, I I thought about it. I thought if I don't give myself permission to be who I am, who I am, which is this very um, big vision type person who isn't so great at carpool and gets the kids' schedules mixed up, I'm not ever going to give I'm not going to be showing them how to give themselves permission to take action, to ask for what you want, to go for your dreams. And that's really where that came from because so many people are waiting for some, I don't know if it, the moon's going to come out or the sun's going to come down and say, you know, permission granted, but it doesn't really work that way. It's when we do it from within that we really um, show other people how to do it. We we are a living modern uh, breathing example for people. and and that's that's really what this whole program is about for me. It's about taking action, going for what you want, being clear why you're here, living your purpose, and and being scared. You know, I'm scared a lot when I come out with something new or I do something different. But I knew that I had to do that. And I also knew I had a choice that I could stay home and be sort of a comfortable housewife. And, you know, I told you earlier today before we got on the show that I just dropped off my son at UC Berkeley, which is the one, the number one public university in all of the U S and he said to me, you know, mom, anybody could drive me to school, but not anybody could build a business and show me what it looks like to love what you do and to wake up every morning excited. And that was, that was a very difficult road to get to that place. And so, at fifty years old, i my passion is to get people there sooner, more effortlessly without so much self-talk in their head about why maybe it's not possible.
2: I think so that's hugely inspiring and you know I think you you're absolutely right you're you you' what you're able to do is you're you're leaving an incredible legacy that you're building up and uh, you has know, been obviously hugely inspiring to your your children, I just had a conversation with my son just before we came on air, and I think I, I mentioned to you earlier that he said to me, Dad, Dad, you know, it's not fair, you only spend three or four days with me a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think actually, <laughs> that's moment, quite a bit <laughs> at the moment, I am because it's summer holiday, that's quite a lot.
0: <laughs> well, it's true, it's true, it is quite a lot. And when you are going through this, and you know, as you're building a business and you're working on something that you're so engaged in, that there there's this piece of you, I think, and we get this as, as we grow up sort of in our adult life, but it's not about the quantity. It's about the quality. And I say that goes from the time I spend with my children to the time I engage with my employees to the time that I create a a culture for people to live in, in my home or my business and in diamonds because quality is better than quantity. So it's really important to choose to be present where you are, and those little pieces can make such a bigger impact than just being there and not and not really being there. If you know what I mean. Can I make it just a you
2: know, one thing you said a little uh, a minute or two ago was um, you, know, you want to help people to you know realize that success and give themselves the permission and and get on and do it more you know effortlessly and easier than yourself. Um, is this something at all that is, is, is age-bound because um, you know, maybe people listening in at the moment that already are you know 50 or older. Um, mm. you know I'm, I'm nearly that myself. and uh, does it matter when we start?
0: No, I don't think it matters at all. I think the past is the past, and the future is a blank canvas for you to decide to look at the past, not make it your future. Like I, I, I read a quote the other day that said if you don't commit to the past to create your future or something around that. But it, it really struck me because just because we did something one way, doesn't mean we need to continue it. It's when we have the awareness that it can be different that we, that's sort of when I think that the pressure's on. So once you have that aha moment and once my, my friend Lisa Nichols you probably know who she is from the secret. Mm-hmm. She, we, we are very close friends and she says, you know, once you know, you can't not know. And that's when it becomes your responsibility to be that best version of yourself, because it really does take it takes someone to show up in your life that shows you what it looks like so you know. I think very few of us have that example, that role model growing up, and they don't teach it in school, which is really a shame. But it's never too late. You know I, I was talking with a girlfriend the other day, and I told her that you know people look up to Jack Canfield as this chicken soup guy and I said, you know, Jack didn't even become famous until he was 51. And she said, oh, my gosh, I mean, I'm not too late. Mm-hmm. And I say it's never too late. And, and the more of us that show up now, the younger generations can be inspired by that and, and do it sooner than later. That's Thanks. how I feel.
2: Wonderful. I agree. And uh, how do you develop a mindset that anything is possible, though?
0: You find the craziest people on the planet and you work with them. Um, You know, I think that everything we do in life is a habit. I don't know if you've read the book, The Power of Habit, but it's one of my favorite books. And I was really lucky to be put in an environment at such a young age. And I I attribute a lot of my success, um, one to Jack, who came in and really transformed me as a human being, who made me more awake and more conscious. But Mark Victor Hansen, who was our co-author, Was this huge dreamer? I mean, he just he would come up with these crazy goals, and he would say to me, "Kid, you gotta fake it till you make it." And you know, I bought that, and I would go. I mean, I literally would go to swap meets and and read books to people to sell books at swap meets or flea markets, which I don't recommend. A lot of those people don't read, but I just I everywhere I went, I looked at, is this a place for chicken soup? If somebody came in to sell me something, I sold them chicken soup, and I think it's a habit. I think anybody can build that part of themselves. It, It's just a way you just have to start to think that way and you practice it. And for me, I could think, well, if I ask for that, they'll think I'm obnoxious. Or if I ask for that, what if they say yes? What would that look like? What could show up for me? And and I just think it's something that you just keep doing and you get better at and you get more graceful at. And over time, you know, it's, it's something that... Um, you develop too. You think, okay, so if it was possible, it's not just now about success, but it's about impact. It's about changing lives. It's about transformation. So it's it's bigger than yourself. And I think that's really important too, when you're developing that mindset or you want to go and do something that you feel is going to be motivational or inspirational, take it outside of yourself and put it into a service situation. And someone said to me once when I was starting to work on on the um, on my book, Permission Granted, I was doing an exercise in a women's retreat. And w- one of the exercises was you had to walk around and say, um, you had to do something silly at first. So in the beginning, because I was kind of stuck on my title and the content, th- the first exercise was, Hi, my name is Patty Aubrey, and I'm choosing not to write my book, Permission Granted, so I can stay invisible. So you had to do something that was almost embarrassing. And then the other part of the exercise was, Hi, I'm Patty Aubrey. I'm writing a book called Permission Granted. Do you have any advice for me? And coming from my out of my mouth, those those questions to someone that had never published a book before, where I'd been sitting here with 250 titles, this older woman looked at me and she said, Yes, I do. Think of all the lives that will be different because they read your book. Yeah. And it was, it was so profound for me because it took it outside of myself and my ego. And it really made it about why I want to do it. It was about the rest of the world. And, um, and, and so just through those types of things, and I'm, I do a lot of trainings, and I insert myself in those trainings. I get into the groups. I work with the people. And I think it's it's those types of habits that are positive that really help you develop those muscles of creativity, vision, um, stamina, scalability all the things that you need to have to really get through the day-to-day you know hard part because building anything is is not simple as we all know
2: Mm. i think um one of the things i sort of think about myself is uh i found quite helpful is the thought that actually if i don't do it i'm actually doing a disservice to the world that's right um so you know just kind of take responsibility and, and get on and do it um yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I think Chicken Soup for the Soul, you know, how many lives that's touched. I remember being so inspired by those, by the first book um, many years ago. And uh, you know, I think what I think is also incredible about it is that you, know, you did, you know, you, you launched that book and, and you worked on it before the power of social media. And, you know, and probably, I guess, at that time, you know, people didn't have, many people have even email addresses. Um, so it's just incredible how you grew it.
0: Yes, people did not have. We, I think AOL had just come out, and I remember this, this guy that was a computer guy said, You need to have a website and capture names, not an email address. And I, I didn't believe him. And I have to tell you do, you, do you remember when you would have so many emails in your box and it would say, Your mailbox is full? Yeah. <laughs> it happened a lot. <laughs> we soon after did get a, a, a web page. Yeah, it was it was definitely before those days.
2: I remember when I worked in the 1990s for Mars. It was all voicemail, so you'd come away back from holiday and you'd have um, you have 120 messages. You had to go through them all.
0: It's true. It's uh, true.
2: And I still, even today, I find it hard because um, I sometimes leave a message for someone and I won't leave my name. And it's because if you do, the, the voicemail system used to say your name first, so you had to get into the habit of not giving your name, or you're repeating yourself. Um, so yeah, the world has changed a lot, hasn't it? And I wonder, uh, you earlier on in the convers- conversation, the interview today, you were talking about one or two examples where things worked out for you, didn't work out for you, and I, you know, should you give yourself the permission to fail?
0: I think I think that there is no such thing as fail. The only fail for me is if you don't go for what you want. That's a fail. Um, if you if you try something and it doesn't work, that's just feedback. And I say feedback is not the F word. It's just about helping you figure out what it is and what you need to tweak to make it work. Yeah. And um, with Chicken Soup, we were rejected by hundreds, you know, 100 plus publishers. And, and um, people continued to tell us over time, it's never going to work. And we stuck with it. And, and we stuck with it in a very difficult time. It was during the first Gulf War and the economy was awful. But we, we really didn't have a choice. We were so far down the road. We had to keep going, and we just didn't give up. And I think part of not giving up was having Jack and Mark and myself all to support each other. So one of us might have gotten down, but the others were right there to cheer us on. And I believe that that's part of your success when you have somebody that's in your life that is as committed to your growth as you are, sometimes even more so than you are. And they're they, they are so committed that they don't let you out of your uncomfortableness, and they mm. push you forward. I sort of say it's like the day some of the kids go into kindergarten and the moms are pushing them through the door, and they're like, I'm not ready. You know, we are ready. We just have to go do it. And if it doesn't work, it's great. And you tweak it, and you, you do what's next.
2: Mm. We've just got a couple of minutes left until we go to commercial break. But uh, um, we talked there about the permission to fail Um, should you also give yourself the permission to ask?
0: I'm a firm believer in asking. I say that uh, I have a friend of mine who wrote a book called Life is a Game, These are the Rules. And life is a game. And if you don't ask, you don't get. People are not mind readers. They are not going to just show up in your life and say, by the way, instead of you asking, I'm going to give you this bonus or I'm going to help you with this loan or whatever it might be. So I... I'm constantly asking them. I, I always ask people about their lives, and I listen. I ask for what I want. I ask for upgrades to hotels. I ask for upgrades to first class. I ask to I, – I just love it. And people say, no, it's okay, because I, I've gotten so comfortable with it. And I don't do it obnoxiously, but I do it in a way that gives other people permission to ask. My boys are always like, Mom, are you going to ask for that? <laughs> like, are you really going to ask me that? So <laughs> – you know, you you have to ask for what you want, and 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 most of the time, people will say yes. But you, if you don't take that action and do it, that to me is a failure, because you deserve to have what it is you want in your life.
2: Yeah. So, so, so it's just sort of the failure is not uh, not getting past the fear and not doing it. Well, wonderful. Well, we're going to come back um, after the commercial break, and uh, we shall. The, the first point we're going to be talking about, I think, is about. Uh, permission and excuse this i know it's live on air at the moment to be scared shitless so we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes
0: from the boardroom to you voice america business network
1: would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential What if every day was a good day for business because every decision you made was the best choice? What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel
0: Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
1: You are tuned in to Be More Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi,
2: this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Patty Aubrey. We're talking about permission granted. And uh, Patty, I mentioned before the break that uh, one of the, one of the principles of um of permission is granted is the permission to be scared shitless what have you fe- <laughs> what have you felt like this and why should we all give ourselves that permission
0: well i think when you're scared shitless you are going you're out of your comfort zone and any time that you really want to grow or stretch or do what's next it's uncomfortable but for me it's kind of a i mean there's a couple different kinds of scared shitless obviously like one is you're about to crash your car But when I'm scared about something, um, it's, I I know that I'm really pushing myself into something new. And I also don't spend a lot of time there. I, I allow myself to go there for a bit. And then one of the things that I always do is I sort of put it into context. Okay. It's scary. What would have to take, what would it take to make this minimally successful? So I have what I call minimum target outrageous. And whenever I do anything new, Let's say I'm, I'm going to go do a new workshop or I, I started these luxury retreats that I do and and they're very high end and I got really nervous and almost backed out, really almost backed out. But one of my colleagues came to me and said, what's the minimum number of people that have to say yes? Mm-hmm. And when I really chunked it down into that, I said, you know, five. It's like, you can't get five yeses. And I thought, of course I can. And, and he said, and what would be a target? And I said, 15. It was my first big luxury retreat. And he said, and what would be outrageous? And I said, 24, that would be the max. I had 24 people in six weeks wow. because once I, I kind of looked at it and said, okay, yeah, I, I could be scared, but I, I compartmentalized it. I gave it about 5% of my energy. I figured out plan A, B and C. And then I just focused everything I had on how to get there. And, and I really encourage people to do that. It's you almost never fail when you just intentionally i would say high intention low attachment so you can be flexible and and you know move things and tweak things as you go you will get there and and most of the time it takes longer than we think in fact it always takes longer than we think you know i've heard over the years oh that was an overnight success you know chicken soup we started in 1989 Got published in '93. Guaranteed the publisher twenty thousand units, or we'd pay him back, and didn't hit any kind of a bestseller list until '95. And we are five hundred thousand dollars in debt with the publisher. Wow. We were selling books, but I kept saying, "Send me more, send me more," and and he did. He knew he was onto something. But you know, just it, you just have to do it anyway because the most scary thing is to go through life and think back and have that awful coulda, woulda, shoulda. That is such a bad thing to experience and it's even more bad for the children we're raising and the people that we're engaging with because it it, it will it'll give them that mindset that we don't want anybody we love to have
2: well wow. I think that's a very valuable message for for lots of people and you know in that I think I think one of the really such a compelling part of the chicken soup of the soul story is is that time that it took you to build that momentum with it, and and then how you know once the tap opened, it seemed, seemed to you know pour uh, in terms of the volumes of, uh, of books uh, sold and the amounts of people and lives that it it helped. And I wonder, you know, in, I know one of your principles about the permission to never give up. Um, in how do you pull yourself together when there are such big obstacles in the way?
0: You know, it's not easy. I'm working on a project right now that we just launched and I told you about earlier, and it's about taking the work that Jack and I have done together in our partnership, in our company, and and teach it to other people that can then go out and teach it to other people. So we call it, um, it's it's learning how to become a Canfield certified trainer. And I spent the last, I shot the video, uh, three weeks of footage with two cameras in 2011, mapped out a plan. And I actually had this vision. I was in Dubai in two thousand and eleven and thought there's all these people around the world they're never going to get some of this content. And so I went back, did this three week shoot in live in a training room, and then I sat on it for a while and mapped out what it would look like, and then just really came off of two years of developing this amazing home study version, online version of this certification program. and it was. Probably the single hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And, and I, I had to sit in front of my three big screens and edit inch by inch the video. And it was 150 hours, and I got it down to 35. Oh. And there was a lot of nights that I would be in my kitchen at 4.30 in the morning thinking, have I completely lost my mind? When a lot of people didn't believe it was possible. And I didn't have a lot of support um, to, to do it. But I believed in it enough. Oh. And I just have to dial back to those days where people said that book's never going to work or that project's not going to work. And I had to, I have to honor my gut, my, my intuition. And when I, when I kind of feel like I, this is working so well for me, I know it will help others. I am like not a good student and I needed to figure out how to make it auditory, visual, kinesthetic. I wanted it to be something for me. I really probably did it for me because I needed it to learn this work to be the best trainer and speaker I could be. So I was really passionate about um, delivering it effortlessly and, and so people could really get it. But I took a ton of crap. And, you know, when when you have a big vision or when you are doing something uncomfortable, it's scary for other people, too, because it's change. And lots of times people are comfortable And they're when they know what they're going to get when they're going to wake up tomorrow and what they're going to have, and so you you make those choices that you could go back into that that club of comfortableness, or you could lead from the the you know from the top and and out in front and and I would say leadership is not a role it's a behavior, and and so yeah I I'm I was pretty I had a pretty hard couple years, and. I'm lucky that I have a couple people in my life that I can go to and say, gosh, can you just tell me I'm not crazy. You know, I always tell people just go watch the Steve jobs movie. If you feel really bad about yourself because you're one of those people that has a big vision, yeah. just know you're not in this alone. You know, we, there, it's, it's just part of the plan. And, and so when you get scared, you have to know that God put you on this planet for a reason and you have to be that person. And, for me, you know, I lost my mom a couple years ago, and when she was dying, she she made me promise her that I would not hide behind the whole Jack Canfield uh, stage and be just the president or the CEO of Chicken Soup, but to really show up and give other people that same permission, and and that's really sort of at the end of the day that what keeps me going. Um, Because my mom worked really hard to raise four pretty decent kids on a very tight budget with a husband who was gone Monday through Friday every week as I was growing up building a company. And I just, when I get too scared, I just go back to, I can't make my mom's life not worth what it was. And she gave the kids everything she had. And so to me, it's like my honor to show up and be what she would want me to be. And that's how I pull myself together.
2: That's a, it's a very, you know, a, a, a tremendous lever really to, uh, to hold yourself accountable for keeping moving, isn't it? That's uh, your, your, your wishes of your mom.
0: It is. And it's, um, and I think everybody can find that thing that if they are not, if you, if you don't, if you're not that dedicated to yourself, figure out what it is you are dedicated or who it is and do it, do it for them because it just gets started. And once you get started, you can start to own more pieces of yourself and put it all together. And it's it's not always graceful, but you know, you're, you're doing something, you're taking action. And I did a, a workshop in February that, um, you know, it didn't go perfectly. And some of the people on my team said, oh, we shouldn't do it that way anymore. And I said, of course we should, we're making it better. We're constantly committed to never ending change and improvement and the first time is never the best time and every time it will get better and every time we'll regroup and we'll say well, what else could we have done to make it even better and as long as you're thinking like that you you will constantly evolve it just it's just there's no way around it i mean the universe is waiting to support you but it can only support you if you start to lean into it and take action
2: You've got to keep uh, keep moving haven't you um, I Just it, there's just so much going through my mind. Sort of listening to this, you know that amazing, that home study program that you put together, and all those hours you've put in. With uh, you know a bit, bit of a story with myself, with the book that um, that I wrote with Dr. Stephen Levinson, and the hours and energy and time we put in. You know, being a dream, and then a you know complete shock when we, we get a really good publishing deal with one letter. <laughs> it was just so unexpected, and how you know the universe supported the idea.
0: Well, and, and, you know, the thing is too, when that happens, celebrate it because it's not always that simple, but when it is, it's, I think a lot of people too, sometimes Chris, they think, oh, it was easy. So it must not be that big of a deal. You know, every now and then you get a break and celebrate that break. And, and I always say to people, you know, one of our, one of the things that we do in our workshops is write down a list of your successes and people do that. And I always say, it's not, it's not just so you can. Be proud of yourself It's so you can go back to those moments and think when you were just starting to do whatever it was and it wasn't yet a success, how did you feel? You were scared. You were insecure. You were a little embarrassed possibly. You were telling yourself there's no way I don't deserve this or I can't do it or people will think I'm, you know, conceited or crazy. And then go to what did it feel like when it actually happened? And if you can take that, that memory and then feel it, let it go and say, okay, this is just one of those moments and get ready for the success that you're going to have again. Cause you know, you can do it. You've done it before. And if you haven't done it before, you have to start somewhere. And, um, I remember in the very early days, I, I was, I thought I was going to die. I mean, I think I'd been at my office for three days and we were working on a book deadline and I looked up at Jack and I said, I don't know if I can do this. How can you do this?" And he said, "I've done it before. I can do it again, and so can you. Just trust me." And so it was through those little pieces that you just start to build your sort of war chest of I can do it. And um, you know, and I just want to encourage everybody out there that's listening, go for it. Find someone that will help hold you accountable. Share your dreams with everybody. You never know who is going to say, wow, tell me more. I'm interested in helping. And it's by sharing your dreams and saying them out loud that you can articulate them and you get better at them and more clarity and more clarity and and then they become real.
2: Wonderful. We've just got another sort of couple of minutes until we have to kind of wrap up the show. But uh, I'm just wondering, when can we expect a book on uh, permission granted?
0: Probably in January of 2017,
2: so we will We certainly look forward to that. And they—they uh, they take quite a lot. I imagine sure, with all of the things that you have going on as well, and you know all the programs and things you're developing, it—you uh, know—taking, writing a book as well is uh, is quite a lengthy process, isn't it? How far? How far, I, how far are you I'm
0: on I'm about halfway through it. I've been talking to publishers here in New York, and um, I have quite a few people that are interested. So it's, um, I think it'll do well. And, it, you know, as you know, I call it the Prozac experience. It's kind of like, does the world really need another book? And then, oh, but it's so great. And then, oh, it's so horrible. You know, it's like this roller coaster ride. I'm sure you can relate to that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I just, uh, you know, I just wonder, is a final message that you'd like to leave us with?
0: You know, I, I would just say that we we're all put on this planet for a reason. And it's really important that we all go for whatever that was. And if you don't know what your purpose is, read books, go to workshops, figure it out, um, get Chris's book. And, And the last thing I would say for me is I've really learned to appreciate the differences in people. I've given myself permission to stop judging people and be open because you never know what it's going to look like or who it's going to look like. And and when you can keep that open mind and come from an unconditionally loving place, when your heart's open, things shift. And for me, it's about every morning waking up and just remembering what I'm grateful for, being in gratitude, which raises your vibration. We all know that. it's all It's all real quantum physics and being open to whatever's gonna show up so you're available to see it. And the more present we are, the more we notice.
2: Well, Patty, you've been uh, a tremendously inspirational guest. I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed uh, the interview today. And uh, you know, I shall keep watching what you're doing and how it's developing and by permission granted when it comes along uh, and watch, uh, you know, watch with eagerness as you continue the, the journey. But thank you so much for joining us today.
0: You're welcome, and good luck with your book.
2: Th- thank you very much indeed. Um, I'm uh, excited about the future, and, uh, and hopefully, as you said, you I know, just want it to add value to lots of lives, like your your programs um, do as well. So uh, thank-, and thank you for Chicken Soup for the Soul. That inspired me many years ago.
0: You're welcome. And anyone out there that's listening that wants to become a trainer, go to JackCanfield.com and look at our Train the Trainer online. It's amazing. It's my baby. I love it. And I would love to see more people out there helping impact the lives of others. Excellent.
2: So uh, we should all, all go to jackcanfield.com, I think, Patty, and check that out because I know it's uh, tremendous uh, material. Um, so, And for more information on you, Patty, do you want people to go to pattyaubry.com?
0: They can go to pattyaubry.com or even send me an email at patty at so our organization is all one. We have about a staff of 20, and all of our projects run through that. So either way, you'll get to me.
2: Wonderful. Well, once again, thank you, Patty. And uh, to everybody, uh, thank you for listening to the show today. On next week's show, we have uh, Neil Dorwood and we're going to talk about legacy. Um, so uh, I think it will fit very nicely um, following on from the show t- with Patty today. So do join us again uh, next week.
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
1: Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week.